Welcome to another edition of the Superflight Podcast, your Polly Applebaum of NBA podcasts, because hairstyles can be a statement too. I'm your host as usual, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn. It's Sunday, April 9th, 2017. What's happening, people? Um, quick, real quick, ways to get in touch with the show. Uh, you can follow along on Twitter at Superflight Pod. You can follow me personally at Joe Borelli on Twitter. You can email the show at thesuperflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to the website, The Superflight Podcast, and listen to all the shows there. You can, including the archive shows, um, you can go to SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. If you go to iTunes, please rate and review so that other people can find the show. It helps a lot. You can go to the Almighty Baller Podcast Network and follow along there. Follow a bunch of really good shows. If you don't like this one, you'll find a number of good ones that you like there. Um, and starting this week, you can listen to the Superflight NBA show on Dash Satellite Radio on the Almighty Bauer Radio Network. That's right, we're going radio. So if you don't have Dash Satellite Radio, you should download the app. It's really good. You can listen to all kinds of music, whatever you want, all the time, streaming, I guess. I'm not sure how it works. Don't ask me. I've used it. I just don't know how it works. I don't understand computers and fancy technology. Technology loses me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm, I'm really not old. Anyway. So there's all of that. Uh, just, you know, heads up. And there you go, guys. Um, feel free to listen along in many, many ways. So what's new? Uh, let's see. I was walking home from work the other day, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm feeling a little under the weather, as you'll hear in a minute with Damon Rangulo, my next guest, who I always love having on the show. It's a pleasure to have him when we talk about the upcoming lottery. But I was walking home the other day. This is really a pointless story, but for a long time, I keep, you know, my wife and I have been thinking about buying a dog. We don't do it because, honestly, neither one of us are home enough to have one. We, uh, you know, she works long hours as well as, you know, so do I. I'm gone at least um, almost 12 hours a day every day. She's usually gone more. So don't break into my apartment while I'm gone. This is all I'm saying. Uh, but we thought about getting a dog, and, um, you know, every time I pass this one store i'm just these puppies are so cute you know they put the puppies in the window you can't you it's it's hard not to like stop at the window and look at the puppies the other day they had two little french bulldogs in in the window and oh my god they were adorable so i had to stop and i had to go in and i was looking around and you know they've got lots of cages full of puppies inside and i feel weird about this man i don't like the animal mill kind of thing where they breed puppies and I don't know, it's fine. I mean, there's so many dogs out there that need homes, need, you know, a good home that are in shelters. And I would feel terrible about buying a, a puppy from a, a store anyway. Um, but I went in anyways, and I was like, I wonder, I just got to see how much these things are. So I walk in and there, you know, those stores flooded with people because everybody wants a dog. And I asked the guy, $2,350 for a puppy, right? Like, What? What are you talking about? Twenty that's a lot of money. And you know it is a living being. It's it's an animal. I mean I mean what would I be worth? Probably not much. Um but still, yeah, I don't I'm not crazy about it. But anyway, needless to say I walked out of there. The point of my story is that um if you're gonna get a dog, maybe think about getting one that needs actual home, a shelter dog. Because these puppies uh, from stores, they'll find their place. They'll, people will sell them. They're not gonna. They're not gonna put them to death or anything. I don't think. Maybe if they get too old, they send them to shelters. I should look more into this. I wonder how this works. It's sad. Um, sad that I don't know. Not. I mean, it's sad if they put the dogs to death. That's horrible. But it's sad that I don't know what I'm talking about while I'm talking about it. Sorry, guys, uh, and gals. But if you need, I was gonna say, if you need a uh, a dog or a puppy, yeah, you should get one from probably from a shelter or a rescue because because those dogs need love too. Really, seriously, like uh, for Christmas, my sisters went and got my father a dog from a shelter. And man, this is the sweetest dog you've ever met in your life. She's she was probably two years old 
So you're not getting a puppy, and I understand that's what so many people want. Their kids want puppies, and they want puppies because puppies are adorable, and I love puppies. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I you know they turn into dogs. Here's the problem with dogs, though. Uh, I'm not trying to talk you out of dogs. I'm just saying that if you're if you're getting at a dog, maybe think about a shelter because those dogs are actually in danger of losing their lives because nobody wants them, or they've come from really bad homes where they were abused and. You know, it's a terrible situation. It's terrible. Like, no, no no, living being should ever be abused. And if you can offer your home to a, a being, like a dog, that needs your help and needs your companionship and you need theirs, so that's a great idea. I think do that. Here's my drawback with dogs. Here's my only complaint about dogs. I love, I love dogs. I love petting dogs. I love looking at dogs. Dogs are a lot of fun. The only problem with dogs is dogs are like children that never grow up. They're like four-year-olds their entire life. If they live to be, oh, I don't know, 15, 16 years old, for that entire time, you're going to be taking care of a four-year-old. Just give that some thought before you decide to get a dog. Um, if you are thinking about getting a dog, that's all. Um, so I don't know why I stopped and looked at the puppies, but puppies are cute. And there you go. It's the first time I've ever stopped at this place. Other than that, I don't really have much. I'm not feeling great, as I mentioned already, so I'm going to keep this short today, and Domin's going to be on right after these messages. Today's sponsor of the Superflight Podcast is GlassesUSA.com, where you can get quality prescription glasses at up to 70% off retail price. At GlassesUSA.com, you can choose from a huge selection of frames in more than 2,500 different styles. From in-house brands like Muse and Amelia E, to designer brands like Ray-Ban, Oakley, Adidas, and more, GlassesUSA.com has got you covered for glasses. Just go to GlassesUSA.com now and you can try any pair of glasses using their virtual mirror feature. All you have to do is upload a picture of your face from Facebook or your camera computer. You use the alignment tool, align the pair of glasses you want on your face, and go to town, man. It couldn't be easier. You're going to know exactly how these glasses look before you ever buy. So it's basically worry-free. Virtually worry-free. Virtually, like the virtual mirror feature. Anyway... Go to GlassesUSA.com now and enter promo code ALMIGHTY to get 55% off of any pair of glasses at checkout. That's promo code ALMIGHTY, A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y, to get 55% off of your glasses at checkout. Okay, now back to the show. So, Dom and Rangola, welcome back to this show. How are you, my Hey, friend? how you doing, Joe? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, of course. Always. You are always welcome on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I was just explaining to you before I started recording, but I'll tell my listeners, I'm a little low energy today because I'm getting sick again. So, if I sound a little bit down and out, that's why. Um, it's never fun. Listen. Joe, Joe's just saying that because he wants me to talk more. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, you have to do all the talking. Uh, <laughs> um, also, I wanted to uh, I wanted to scold you for going on the, the fuzz without without asking me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> How was it with those guys? I listened to the podcast. It was pretty fun. Yeah, those those guys are awesome. Honestly, that uh, that is a uh, that is the first conversation I think I've had with somebody in uh, Australia. Yeah. They're they're good dudes, man. They're very knowledgeable about about the NBA, which always surprises me. Whenever I talk to somebody from Australia about the NBA, I'm like, man, you know more than I do about this. Well, how how is that? <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know, and and it's like uh, we forget that it's not like we go to a lot of games. Like I can speak for myself personally. I live in LA, but that doesn't make me more or less able to watch the games, right? I, I don't go sure. to a lot of games. And and so it's really interesting dynamic where yeah I talk to you know you I, I see sometimes uh, on Twitter you don't realize where people are when you're talking to them mm-hmm. and I remember having a conversation with somebody from the Philippines and I I con- I like conceptually knew that yes the NBA is huge in Philippines but I didn't realize like to the depths like including regular season crappy games like they're breaking it down and it's it's really cool the nba is in a really interesting place in terms of its global kind of reach oh absolutely that's it's one of the reasons why i you know historically i've been a much bigger football fan than i have been a basketball fan but it's totally flipped now and part of that reason is because of the glo- it's a global game like the one thing yeah. i always hated about the nfl was like we're world champions when you win and like no you're you dumbass! Right. You're, you're not a world champion. You're a United States champion. Right. Good for right. you. Right. Yeah, but in the NBA, you can actually legitimately say that. Like, there's nobody better than you know USA basketball right now, and let's hope right. it stays that way because you know we live here in 
it's the best. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course. But yeah, it's pretty interesting, man. There's there's fans all over the world and it's it's awesome. Um but speaking of, you know, bad basketball. <laughs> let's yeah. I, I we were we were texting or emailing back and forth a little bit about, you know, the where we've come to the point in the season where there's just a number of teams like trying to race to the bottom. And it's funny, Woj just put out, I saw it this morning as soon as I woke up, there was a, a Woj like two minute report about teams racing to the bottom. I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting because I was just about to talk about that. But there's so many teams, at least a good six of them, that are trying to race to the bottom spot this year. And I think it's really important for you and I to talk about it as Sixers and Lakers fans. Um, I, it, it could get very heated, but you know I love you too much to, to say anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really curious to get your take on it. So I, I should start by saying that, like, all right, we we may get into a little bit of the uh, the playoff matchups too. But um, you know, for the for the last half of the season, there's been this sort of tankathon in a way that's year, like this year. I remember more. Not I shouldn't say I remember because it, it just happened, but I feel like it's happening more blatantly this year than any year I can remember past. Like people are just just bold face tanking. They're like, you know what? It's fine. We're gonna sit all our starters. Like in the case of the Lakers, they sat Mozgov and Dang, who are both you know. I don't know yeah, how but, much they're okay, contributing. So, so but okay, right. Go ahead. So. I think there's a few things here, right? So I think you're, and not only you, but you're and, and a lot of people who cover the NBA kind of from the more analytic side are also drawing a comparison to the fact that it's so openly accepted and the process got a lot of crap, right, in Philadelphia? Yes. And I think, so I actually kind of, even though that, you know, that conversation has been you know, in, in some ways talk to death. I, I do think it's interesting to keep bringing up because that was such a talking point for so long and so loudly. And, you know, I, I, I understand where you're coming from for that. Now, specifically as regards to, I can, I, I think it's beneficial to talk about the Lakers situation. Um, Mozgov was a mistake, right? Which and we, you Dang, and I both talked about at the beginning of the year. Right, I remember, I think right. it was the first time you came on. We were both like, "What?" <laughs> right, right, exactly. And so it actually made more sense for the team to play a guy like Zubac, who is a second rounder who has overachieved all year and earned his spot there. Right, for sure. Now, benching him altogether is probably more tank related because he's, uh, you know, Mozgov. He was still good on the defensive end, and the Lakers are really bad defensively. But they're probably looking at it from a developmental standpoint. And that's, and, that's fine, but you could bring him off the bench if you're not going to start Right, him. exactly. Yeah. No, no, and I agree with that. And and then so and in regards to Dang, Dang actually as a backup four could have been very beneficial to this team, especially because some of the bench units that the Lakers are trotting out, especially like recently are really, really bad. And somebody like Dang could actually be of use. And he, his contract was also a mistake because when he was playing in Miami, that's where he was before he was in LA. Mm -hmm. He was playing this, he was playing a uh, power forward and he was doing really well in that position. He actually, when his contract was announced, people were less surprised, but it ended up being a worse fit for the team because we have like, you know, Julius Randall already on studio. So uh, I, I just wanted to get that out there. But you're right. The Lakers are, in fact, more than last year, blatantly tanking this year. Uh, they're running out lineups that we all are watching. We know that there's no reason why this lineup should be out there, right? Against right. the Spurs now. So against the Spurs, they ran out of lineup. And I, I challenge you as a non-Lakers fan, who somebody doesn't, you know, follow the team day in, day out, to understand, like, to, to explain to me who these people are. This is the lineup that ran out. <laughs> Tyler Ennis, David Nuava, um, I'm trying to think of uh, the the third guy. I think it was um, Meta World Peace, Thomas Robinson, and Tariq Black. And it might, oh, it was Corey Brewer instead of Meta World Peace, right? Mm -hmm. Literally, Tariq Black was the only guy who was on the Lakers roster to start the year. Rest of these guys are like D-League guys or, you know, Houston just dumped uh, Corey Brewer's contract. That kind of a lineup actually didn't really even happen last year uh, when, when the Lakers, you know, it was the four farewell tour and all that. Right. The tanking is so much more blatant this year, and it's because of the incentive, right? You, you <laughs> Philly fans don't need to be reminded that, 
if the Lakers lose their top three pick, they're getting the pick, and that's huge. And for the Lakers, it's connected to they will also lose another first-rounder if they give up this year's first-rounder. So they have all the incentive in the world. And I think more than the specific year-to-year tanking, I think that the one thing that I think the entire NBA should learn from this is that these pick protections are terrible. Top three sounds like, okay, so if you finish in the bottom three, you're likely to get that pick. Mm-hmm. It's The odds are really, really bad. We're talking if you have, so the Lakers are either going to finish with the second worst record or the third worst record. They're Phoenix, who is even more blatantly tanking. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix and uh, LA. So if, if the Lakers end with the second worst record, they'll have, I think, a 55.8% chance to keep their pick. And if they finish with the third worst, I think they're forty-seven point nine. So we're talking roughly fifty-six percent and forty-nine percent. Which is those odds are yeah, those odds aren't are not great. No, like that's a coin flip. That yeah. is a coin flip. That is a coin flip weighted in a, a slight direction, either to you, uh, positive to you, or the other side. But it's still a coin flip. So I, I think the pick protections are a reminder that hey, you know, let's have, all GMs in the league should avoid this. Um, well, I think here's the thing. So, okay, so I'm going to get on a, a moral high horse right now. And yeah. it, my problem with the whole thing, especially with the Lakers blatantly tanking, first of all, is that everyone, not necessarily the Lakers, except for uh, your your coach, um, Luke Walton, came out and said he was like so against tanking, he would never do it. Okay, cool. Th- thanks for that. What are you doing now? Anyway, um <laughs> And, and and the thing is, it's not. Okay, yeah, yeah, but wait, we'll get we'll get to it. But not even him specifically. Like it's the general coverage of how they ha- how everyone around the league, how all the sports media covered the Sixers when Sam Hinkie, when he was not, he was not trying to mask what he was doing at all. He was taking ch- chances on D League guys. Like he found Robert Covington. He realized that he, in order to, there was two ways to build. You can either build through the draft or you can build through free agency. And nobody was going to Philadelphia with that team, right? So what's your option? You go, and by the way, the guys, the top, top, top tier guys that will win you a championship like LeBron James, never coming to Philadelphia. So what are your options? You have to tank. You have to try and maximize your odds at getting the best possible players you can. If that means not playing good basketball for like three or four years in a row, okay, fine. He was not, and it's, by the way, not Sam Hinkie's fault. He's just taking advantage of the system that's in place. This is what the league has set up. So it's okay if you do it slyly or, you know, on the DL or I don't even know what the word is. It's okay if you if you accidentally tank, right? If the perception is that you're doing this by accident. But if you if you go out and you do it on purpose the way Sam Hinkie did, well, God forbid, well, they're going to have to bring in a Colangelo and try and replace you, right? And, Joe, okay. But, but okay, but yeah. wait, let me, let me go on. Yeah. <laughs> that aside... Everyone around the league was like, oh, well, we would never tank blatantly. We would never tank. And you have four teams right now. The Sixers, you know, are included in that. But you have the Lakers. They're so blatantly, obviously, tanking. The Knicks are horribly blatantly tanking. Like, Derrick Rose is out with a knee injury. They're resting Porzingis. The Suns. I mean, everyone is doing this unapologetically. And for some reason, nobody is getting the crap that they put on the Sixers for those few years. By the way, now it looks like, and I understand what the league was trying to do, was trying to keep this from happening because ultimately if Sam Hinkie's plan worked, this is what you would get. It really kind of happened anyway, right? But it just bothers me a little bit that nobody has to take the amount of grief that the Philly franchise has. And I don't know why, but it's just a a huge double standard. It's very hypocritical and I I hate it. But go on, what were you going to say? Let me let me explain to you why I think that is. Go ahead. So that that distinction you made about how some teams are pretending versus Philadelphia that was blatantly doing it, I think is more important than you're giving it credit for because you the the objective, you know, is to go out and field the best roster you can to win games, right? That right. is the that is the if you look in the rule book of whatever, that's going to be the objective, right? Hey, yes. what what is your target? Okay. Everybody wants to win a championship. Yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you, 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 on any given, you know, to Sunday morning, you have a Sunday morning game. Your goal is to maximize your chances to win the game. 
in night in, night out. That's what a coach is supposed to do. That's what you as a franchise, generally speaking, are trying to build towards. So that's one thing that Sam Hinkie clearly and look in a lot of ways, like you're saying, he was right about it was why are we going to pretend? What's the point of pretending? I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep getting lottery balls. I'm going to keep drafting players who, you know, <sighs> look, Joel Embiid <laughs> was hurt. Yeah. Uh, he's drafting Dario Sarge, who's international. There was no sign of what he was building towards. That's one thing. Secondly, well, no, I think that's I think that's a huge misconception. But go ahead, go ahead. Okay, you're also rubbing it into the league's face. You're you're rubbing it into the league's face, like, hey, this is your crappy system, and we are showing you how crappy it is, and we will exploit this, rightfully so. That that's the right, right? You right. There's no there's no guide as to you can't do that, right? Okay, but let me on that point, let me hit you with this. What about the Kings? They've been a travesty of a of a franchise. They've been run so poorly and and the league doesn't but step they're in not, there. That's just but but go ahead. Joe, they're Joe, not rubbing they're it in not, the face. They're not rubbing it in the face of the NBA, right? Right. And and next the Sixers didn't until like I think even maybe Colangelo or bef- slightly before Colangelo didn't even attempt to like sign veterans like mentors at all like so the dang and mozgov contracts were dumb right but Agreed. the lakers were the lakers <laughs> were a young team and they probably should have just signed two-year deals to both of those guys at a very high value and had some you know grown-ups in the locker room to mentor the team it has also been proven that just having all young players all unproven talent is not the best way to develop habits and that Elton Brand, I believe, was on the team. He was a really good presence, but he wasn't on there until later. Part of that is you're doing agents a solid, right? Right. And I, I, I bring this up because think of all of the people you as a general manager have to deal with. You have to deal with other general managers. You have to deal with the league office. You have to deal with the media. And you have to deal with agents, right? And your current players. What Sam Hinkie's process was systematically, mathematically, uh, uh, team building wise, it was saw it was strong. It was right for Phil- the Philadelphia 76ers. It was almost universally bad for all of the other people involved in in terms of people he had to deal with. That is a, not a sustainable model. And I think if Sam Hinkie came back. And let's say he came back to the exact same situation because I don't believe that Sam Hinkie, this is the only way he thinks he's he this is a team should be built. Exactly. He looked at a Philadelphia situation that was in a uniquely bad situation asset-wise, and he turned that around. And he gets full credit for that. There's no I, – I, I, I admire that he identified what needed to be done and he did it. And he made sure to not screw it up in any way and he went – you know, full 100% into whatever he felt. By was the way, right. we should just be clear. You were on board with the process, if I'm correct, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you see, I'm trying to draw the distinction between why I like the process, but why I didn't like the way certain perceptions oh, of it were handled. Certainly. Right? And certainly that's probably ultimately what cost him the position there because, right. because he was, really he was flying in the face of the league and they felt like they needed to step in and put somebody in his place. It, it leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. I like it. It makes me very but, okay, angry, angry, but go ahead. But go ahead. He, he, he was not setting the narrative. This is something Jim Buss, partially why Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak lost their jobs in LA. There's no, there was very little media outreach. Like, Hey guys, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. I understand it looks bad. I understand this, right? Other general managers are looking at him like, okay, well, uh, he's making us, you know, look like idiots or whatever. And specifically speaking, agents, listen, when the team is going to be ready and they're going to be good and they're going to have a lot of rookie contracts and cap space, who are you going to be sitting down with to sign free agents? It's the a- it's the agents who you could have done a solid by signing a veteran who's not probably going to play, but you could just sign him to like a one-year, $10 million contract just to be a mentor and do the agent a solid and do the client a solid. And then that agent, you know, this is this is common sense 101, how you deal with the NBA people. Like, I'm not a front office person. Right. But I know, I understand that when you start doing agent solids, that, that you get meetings that you normally wouldn't have gotten, right? But now we're just you talking look- specifically about what Sam Hinkie did. Like, I'm thinking more overall in, like, 
in terms of like how this was handled by the media and how the how how everyone yeah, covered it. You know what I mean? Joe, like it just go ahead. No, I'll, I'll disagree with you here, Joe. You you are rightfully more sensitive to this as a Sixers fan, but <laughs> I'm an NBA fan. I don't know what been, you're talking about. Team, <laughs> no, but teams teams have been getting crap. If you if you hear about the coverage and how people mock like the Suns, the Lakers are the most blatant right now because they're the two that are actually jostling for that you know that Lakers for the top three pick. But well, also me... the Suns want to be Suns want to get the number two pick uh, at worst because nobody's crossing Brooklyn for the worst record. It's the second and third worst records right now that that the jostling is happening for, and and I think they. I mean, I've heard lot of criticism about the Lakers, especially because I think Jeannie Buss said we never tank and like, you know, right. it, it, the Lakers exceptionalism and all that nonsense. I just that... wanted to be consistent, honestly, because listen, right now the Lakers are tanking. They're, they're blatantly tanking. Everyone knows it. They're throwing in the towel and they want to get the best pick they can. I think they should. They obviously should. Everyone knows this is the best strategy going forward. And everyone, most people are saying this is their best strategy going forward. What bothers me is that like when you do it here, you say this is okay. This is the best way for them to move forward. But in the other position, with the Sixers, oh no, they're they're ruining the league. It's bad for the league. No, I, no, I no. just I, I hate disagree. the two face in this. It drives me Joe. nuts. Joe, Joe, that's You're, not that's. We're gonna get into a no, screaming match, aren't we? I, I I disagree. No, no, I just say I disagree. The the way the Lakers and Suns have been mocked day to day by national writers, national everybody, like oh yeah, they're not even trying. It's embarrassing. And it, 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 there's like people who go even too far in the other direction where they're where they're like mocking the Lakers for not even being good at tanking because you know they beat the Spurs yeah. and all. That. I was gonna right? say, by the way, um, we should talk about that too because like you know they've won three in a row, and so I guess maybe Luke Walton really doesn't believe in tanking. Uh, it's not helping their their lottery position. But again, we just discussed it doesn't really matter when you're when you're talking about one spot, uh, you could jump and, up or and down. You know, it, it, you just you. <laughs> I, I'm frustrated with a lot of Lakers fans on this too because it, we're talking about nine percent. I understand that you always want to have your maximum chance, right? right. If somebody says, "Hey, you have a fifty percent chance of winning or a fifty-one percent chance of winning," you're going to take fifty-one percent chance every time, right? Right. What the Lakers are sitting there, you know, sitting a lot of players. They're running out rotations that should not win, and they're winning. And credit to the players; they're they're working their ass off. Um, it's true. It, obviously, players don't tank, right? Right. Organizations may try to, organizations may try to put themselves in a position to lose games, but coaches and players don't tank. And you know, players specifically. I mean, coaches. You can see the rotations they throw out sometimes, and you can see okay, they're they're not they're just experimenting with stuff, but they're not trying to win games here. Um, credit to the players, and we are talking about second or third worst record here. It's not like they're sliding down in that in that in that regard so it's it's not look lottery night is going to be stressful anyways the look yeah. the first worst record the brooklyn nets they only have a 66 percent chance to get the top three pick. that's still not great that's two nah. out of three like one out of three times you're completely screwed so and by the way I, I, i'm hoping they drop way down i'm just saying i hope they drop down on the fourth it would be great <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no i look the the pick the the pick protection stuff uh i just it it is so stressful and it is so um it there's so much fighting against it it's it is unnecessary and i you know when they made that deal this is this is still all uh pay like payments for the steve nash deal and the um dwight howard Howard, well this this pick specifically is due to the steve nash deal so yeah it look which went to phoenix and then went to philly i think is how it worked right yeah exactly so the the thing about the process and the way it was covered versus how this is covered, I actually do think teams are getting crap now. I think the reason the process got more crap was because there was who was taking Sam Hinkie's side other than Sam Hinkie, and that's a problem, right? You need to Everyone develop in Philadelphia. It. Every Sixers uh, fan, we were totally no, on board. No, 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 totally no, no. Right, on board. I, right. But, and there was but, and there was a so, misunderstanding around the league too that like, oh, Sixers fans deserve better than the Sixers fans don't want this to be happening. They want to be winning. Like, no. Everybody in Philly knew what was going on. They knew the score, they knew the name of the game. And believe me, but Joe, I can't but, I defy you to find one person that would take Brian Colangelo over Sam Hinkie right now. But go on. No, 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 no. See, 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 no, 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 no. You again, that was not the discussion. The discussion was not, oh, we should bring in this specific person. No, 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 no. I know. 
the 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 but i'm just it, saying like don't don't misunderstand is, like we everyone knew everyone knew it was happening it wasn't it was because right. of the face of the league and that's that's sort of ultimately what this discussion is about right how this affects how these teams just throwing it in at the end of the season, how it affects the perception of the league, league-wide, like how people perceive it around the world even. Um, you know, think, they obviously want to... it's extreme. It's extreme right now. I think it's extreme right now for the reasons of... And let, let's not kid ourselves. It's it's only two or three teams that are actually doing this, right? It's it's not... This isn't this isn't like a league-wide thing, but it's high-profile. It's the Lakers. Uh, it's the, the Lakers, Suns also it's the Sixers, a... the Suns, the Knicks. It's because the Knicks are in there too. It's really high profile. Right. Because even though they've been terrible for the last how many years, that they're actually throwing in the towel is it really has some people upset, you know? Right. But I'll I'll, just, I'll come back to this. I'll say that uh, you can never eliminate this entirely. But I think that because of a there's two studs in this draft and Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball, uh, like guaranteed. And there's the Lakers pick protection stuff. The noise around this is louder and it's the end of the season and we really don't have a lot other to talk about. Right? Oh my God, it's so true. <laughs> so- and at the same time, uh, the Lakers at least started off the season trying. They started off 10 and 10. Um, and honestly, they're not... the the. Yes, they are running out some. Uh, again, I'll repeat myself. They're running out some rotations that are not, uh, let's say, the most highest likelihood of winning kind of uh, rotations. But they're at least there's a semblance of competition. There's a semblance of okay, you know, and they're winning, right? Um, and the Suns, I, I, you know, they shut down Tyson Chandler. Sometimes they sit Devin Booker, stuff like that. Um, but at the same time. Uh, I think that this is a kind of a, a weird. This is like the, remember we had the intentional foul discussion last year. It was like reached a fever pitch, and yeah. where's that discussion now? Right. Right. It's it, we we don't talk about it anymore. I think that this tanking discussion, as more and more general managers get smart about pick protections and what picks they're actually handing out, and I think when more and more people realize like, hey, just because you have the one or two pick doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get the the best player in, in the top. draft right. and. Just because the ping pong balls are in your favor doesn't mean you're going to actually win on lottery night. It was actually weird last year where I think nobody moved in the lottery. No, but I it, think went, that's really- it went completely on the board. Everybody picked in the exact spot they were. And I, I have conspiracy theories about that. But yeah, everybody picked in the spot they were supposed to. It was. Right. I don't think I think that's happened once in the entire, you know, in the entire history of the league before. But right. listen, so if they that'll be, that'll be a wake up call too for teams, right? It's like okay, well, right. we tank, we tank, you know, to end up at the, you know, fourth spot. And that's what the lottery is designed to do. In that respect, it is working, right? Like that's what it's. That's why we have a lottery to discourage people from throwing in the towel, from from tanking blatantly, because you're not guaranteed that 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 spot. And. The problem is, though, is like the league incentivizes it. And I listen, I've thought about this a lot. I don't know how you get around this issue until the league changes the rules, until they stop incentivizing losing at the end of the season. It's never going away. It may not be as hot button of a topic as it is right now, because there are legitimately four or five teams doing this blatantly. Um, But it's always going to be there. We're always going to see a team just packing in their players at the season at the end of the season to try and maximize their ping pong balls until they change that. It's not going away again. As you mentioned, it's not going to be as hot button of a topic as it is this year because, you know, and I, you look at I the don't teams, think that they're look, look, look at the teams involved, right? The Suns aren't going to be doing this next year. The Lakers aren't going to be doing this next year. The Sixers, I don't think, are going to be doing this next year. Sixers, definitely um, not. They'll have a real team next year. If if, right. if Joe Allen beats stays healthy, oh, my God. Um, they should be pushing for the playoffs. But listen, go ahead. Right, right. <laughs> and and even you know, even if Joel Embiid is, again, playing around 50 games and on a minutes restriction, uh, Ben Simmons should be really good next year. So, uh, And Darius Sarge is going to be better, and your whole team is going to be you know, just one year better. Uh, the Knicks aren't going to be doing this. So you you look at this, you look at down the road, right? How many teams are actually going to be in a position where they're actually doing it like this? And and so I do think that this is going to uh, die down. Yeah, you know, and and even I'll say this as well. Last year, if you looked at the bottom standings, the the how many how many games did the Lakers win last year? 19, 17, something like that. Yeah, seven, I think seventeen. Seventeen. 16, the Sixers won ten. 
right? right. So the, the quality of play from this year to last year has even come up. The, the worst team right now has 20 wins. And by the way, all of those teams that at the bottom have had their moments. The Lakers had some really exciting oh, wins sure. early in the season. The Suns, you know, they have the Devin Booker kind of crazy game. I the was Philadelphia actually... 76ers had, you know, Embiid. January. So, they had January right. when it looked like they could possibly like had an outside chance of playing. Oh, yeah. It was insane. Oh, yeah. It was insane. Listen, let me ask you about the Lakers specifically, even though we've been talking about them the whole time. Let me ask you about this pick. All right. So I want to get your feelings on it. How How do you feel? How anxious are you as a Lakers fan right now that they might lose that pick? Yeah, I, you know, when the season started, I thought that, look, it's going to be really tough. I, I didn't think that there were going to be this bad record wise. So I thought there were going to be, you know, it was going to be unlikely anyways that they keep it. Mm-hmm. Um. Now that they're in a position, I think that they will end up in the third spot. So I think they'll have a 47% chance. Look, I mean, let's just be real. 47% chance means more the off, more times than not, you will lose the pick. Right. And while I, I say that, I also understand how important it is to get the pick. And whether that's the one, two, or three uh, pick, either way, it opens up a lot of options. And at a time when, because of, you know, I keep bringing it up, but I do think that they are uh, poisonous enough to merit discussion because of the Deng and Mozgov contracts. And I think that the salary cap projection was about one million uh, less than they had even already projected it to be. Yeah. Um, and dropping, one of the, I think. Right, right. One of one of the only ways that they can add talent is going to be through this draft. So um, while they still have the Houston Rockets pick, I think that'll be 27th or 28th, um, and they have their own second rounder. Uh, it, it is, you know, it uh, it is very vital that they keep 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 the pick. And if they get the first or second pick, then they get Fultz or Ball. Uh, if they get the third pick, um, they have plenty of options. And I also think that if they have the third pick, they might even consider trading it. But the point is, is is that. It's a very, very big asset at a time that the Lakers could really use it. But at the same time, uh, regardless of that, the Lakers should be, you know, active in free agency and trying trying to get players that like Deng and Mozgov that are veterans that can help the team, help the locker room, but probably be, you know, a, a better better players on the court. Like Derek Rose. And Pretty sure Derek Rose is going to the Lakers. <laughs> How dare you? Um, no, there I think we go. That, there you know, we go. The, the Kings. The, the Kings feel like a pretty uh, Derek Rose destination. Yeah, but, actually, I could see that too. Well, let me ask you this then: What yeah. happens if they don't get the pick? I mean, what are they going to do? Is this is this team? Do you see this team being able to grow in any significant significant way? Oh yeah. With oh yeah. The, with the talent they have on it right now. I mean, listen. I think Brandon Ingram is going to be really good. Seeing him with another year under his belt, I think it's going to be a big step for him. And Julius Randle is a decent player, but outside of that, I mean, I hate D'Angelo Russell. I can't. I just. I don't even want to watch his stupid face. I. I can't stand him. But <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, so okay, let let's go one by one. So Brandon Ingram, uh, his second half and specifically his last like I think twenty games, uh, he's already shown a a leap that I didn't quite see coming until next season. So I'm very excited about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julius Randle, uh, I, I was a little bit down on him uh, last year. Uh, I think I've kind of turned around a little bit. I think he can, uh, you know, he can be really good. I, I, If he comes into training camp with, uh, you know, even a 30 to 33% kind of consistent three-point shot, I think that elevates his game. What's he at right now? Uh, Is it like... He's he's actually doing okay right now, but his volume is low. So I I mean like a consistent like high volume kind of guy who can who can shoot consistently like thirty three thirty five something like that. Yeah, I mean. And, and then go ahead, go ahead. And then so regarding D'Angelo Russell, look, his perception around the league for whatever reason uh, is not great. I can tell you this from watching him, from looking at his stats, especially his per thirty six. Uh, he as a second year guard is doing really well and. I, I understand why the perception around him is bad. Uh, you know, there are stories around like you. You heard national writers hint at, you know, he likes to go out and party and stuff like that. Right. But what I will say is, is that as a basketball player, he is doing everything he needs to do. Uh, he just just from hearing behind the scenes stories, he he. There's nothing wrong with his work ethic, 
there's a casual nature to where he looks like he looks really cool on the court like like that that rubs people the wrong way uh there's lingering um bad bad feelings from you know the weird snapchat thing and and whatnot but i will say uh it largely uh is undeserved in terms of how vitriolic some of the uh, you know the coverage around him is he was benched for like two three games he still played but he he came off the bench and he didn't complain not at all and if he's really the petulant child that that people say he is uh he would have said something and he had you know his body language is always good uh until he, until the Lakers start winning, I guess nothing will change his reputation, and that's unfortunate. But I will say that they're they're they got more creative with him in the second half of the season. They had him off ball more, so he's he's, you know, I think uh, Darius Seriano, uh, he's this really smart uh, Lakers uh, writer. Uh, he he mentioned that you know, D'Angelo Russell is like a lead guard. That means like he 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 can shoot he can be off ball on ball whatever but he's a really important piece to this team and to this offense he early on in the season it was really frustrating to watch the lakers play because he would be setting people up and the lakers are not a great three-point shooting team the ironic thing is d'angelo russell is a really good even off ball shooter and this in the second half of the season they started getting him more involved in off ball situations and it really really helped uh the team so I think, and and part of the reason they did that is, so we all know the first and second uh, prospects in this league are point guards, and so if the Lakers are fortunate enough to get a position, you know, get one or two, then if they draft a point guard, well, what do you do? Well, they've kind of set up a situation where you could run, uh, you know, Lonzo Ball and D'Angelo Russell out there together, and they work just fine because Lonzo Ball also plays really well off ball. Right. So. These are the kinds of things that they're doing, and D'Angelo Russell has responded to all of this pretty well. Now, there are some things that frustrate me about him, his turnovers and all that, but I want you to go, and, and anybody else who who's down D'Angelo Russell, I want you to go through any of your favorite point guards, and I want you to look at them two years in. And I want you to really, really look at, and, and not only two years in, look at his age. Yeah. At his age. I want you to find another point guard that is significantly better. You won't find it. And I think... Listen, what you're saying is all very fair and probably true. But if I'm a fan, excuse me, I hate watching him play. I just (laughs) hate watching him play. I don't like the way... I don't like the way his face looks. I think is what it is. I just he just he annoys the well, hell I, out of I, me. I, he just bothers it's... me. He's and the thing is, like the whole ice in the veins things er, thing earlier in the year. Oh my god! Like stop, just stop being such an arrogant jerk. Just stop. Like it's annoying. Like you should be but playing you know, you well. Want, Joe, I'm just you saying want your I'm not a fan. To have confidence. You want your players to have confidence, sure, right? You don't. You, want... you don't. And and I don't want I don't want any of the players to be timid. I don't want them to you know not show that swagger that's important stuff and and if if he's going to be a leader on the team he needs to show that he needs to show that emotion i think what rubs people off the wrong way a i think you come in with a little bit of oh i don't like this kid right out of the gate right and then me personally on top of that no 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 everyone. i'm saying i'm saying everybody I'm i saying mean because i certainly do that <laughs> right so no no and 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 also on top of that uh, he can be a little careless with the ball. I think that's a function of age. Uh, he looks again. It's like we want people to look like, you know, so intense and so this. And he has intent. Like Brandon Ingram, looks like you, you, you can't even tell if he if he's if he knows what's going on. You know what it but is. He the, has an intensity, but it's just the way he looks. It's like a casual look. Yeah. It, it, what it is is like when you watch Brandon Ingram, he's he's quietly intense. He's a good player. He's you know he's going to work really hard. You know he has a lot of upside, and you know he's like he's for the most part fairly humble. I've never seen him doing any stupid show off kind of things. When you look at D'Angelo Russell, man, you just he just. He's just annoying to look at. He just, I, I, I had a point and I just can't get past this. I'm just like, he just is, he just comes off as arrogant. No matter what he does, he comes off as arrogant. It just bothers me personally. I don't know why. I have nothing. I want to root for him. Like, I, I want to root I, for every player. I, I, I want to root for, for young guys. He's really young. I want to, I want to forgive the fact that he's like, what is he, 21 now? Yeah. He's 21 I, he and he's. Not- 
might he might not even be 21, but yeah, he's from, and he's really maybe young. Just, right. He's yeah. really young. He's like second year in the league. He's really young. He has a lot of potential. But my God, I can't stand watching him play. He makes me crazy. He's everything. His just demeanor on the court embodies everything that I hate about some players. It's the the players I hate the most are the ones that just show off all the time. I'm like, I dude, just play the play the game. That's what you're there for. You're getting you're getting well compensated to do this. And yes, it's a lot of work. And you should have a ton of confidence. But you don't need to like it's false confidence is what it is. That's what bothers me. It's like he's trying to show that he's a grown up. It's like he's constantly trying to show that he belongs and he's a grown up and he's cool. And that gets under my skin so badly like if you're a dork who cares look at the lopez brothers they're huge dorks they embrace it they love it everybody loves them for it not d'angelo russell like just stop trying to be cool just stop it just just stop it anyway right so here's <laughs> here's what i'll say to that Go ahead. uh everybody is who they are right you want them to be themselves yeah right? but is he being and, himself and, is my question is he being himself no, or is he being absolutely. who he thinks people want him to be and that's what drives no, me no 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 I, I if you look at him in college and if you look at part of the reasons why uh you know people on their draft board when they when they drafted him said that he had uh like the highest star potential past uh carl anthony towns mm-hmm. superstar potential and part of it was because of that demeanor you you can't you can't be really good in this league without having that sort of edge and people sometimes have it quietly and sometimes people have it loudly he has it loudly and i think it rubs people the wrong way again because there's this inherent dislike of him as developed and it's partly because you know byron scott his last coach would publicly say that you know he's not that great and look i i think I'm coming off. I'm coming off as a little bit of an apologist. He's obviously uh, there's some things that have rubbed him the wrong. Like he's he's rubbed off his coaches the wrong way. Uh, he's obviously uh, there's enough stories about him to where he needs to increase his professionalism. There's 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 definitely a lot of stories, but I do think that the coverage around him, nationally speaking, now you'll notice local beat writers don't have anything bad to say about him because they follow him day in day out, right? Right. It's this it's this national perception that he has to work on, and he does need to increase his professionalism. He does need to cut down on his turnovers. He does need to focus more, and he, uh, it's on him, right? It's on him to come in this summer and come next year better. But young point guards who are his age, uh, there really isn't any example I can point to and say, Okay, D'Angelo Russell has really, really done poorly because look at this guy. Right. I can't find a single guy to look at and say, okay, well, D'Angelo Russell is not keeping up with this guy. So, I'm trying it, to think really been, quick off the top of my head who's really young as a point guard and doing really well, but I, nothing's coming to me. So go ahead. You got remember, me. remember when? Remember when Chris Dunn was supposed to be the the yes. future Minnesota starter? But and he's even older than Ricky Rubio. He's older than. He's him. Even, yeah, and he's even older than D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. And and they thought he could supplant Ricky Rubio this year. Yeah. So well, listen, know, it, we've talked about it. We've we've talked a whole lot about D'Angelo Russell. Nobody wants to hear about D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's, I let's, yeah. I mean, let's move on. But what do you think they do? What do you think they do if they lose the pick? How bad of a how? Like, I guess my original point was going to be how bad is this for that team? Like, what are they? What are their options? What are they going to do if they lose that pick? Well, well, I think they have enough young talent on the team to consolidate, possibly. Um, to, in terms to, of you know in, maybe maybe in sort of a trade. <laughs> To put a couple yeah, of players. Like, okay. And maybe make a trade for a more established veteran. But I do think that if they lose the pick, uh, there won't be a significant move. I, I really don't think so. I think it would kind of be uh, silly for them to do that, to go you know, all in on anything. Uh, I do think that the team show, uh, you know, the individual players will show growth. Um, and if they improve by five, six, seven wins or eight wins next year, and then you take that. You go into the summer. Uh, you'll have your pick at that point. Nope. So you know. Uh, by it's, the way, it's, if, well, yeah. If they if they lose the pick this year, yeah. But right, right, yeah. You're right. So they, so I, I think I, I think if they keep their pick, obviously they're gonna have a lot of options. If it's at the top two, they're gonna keep the player. If it's if it's third pick, I still I, I I'm of the opinion that they will trade if they get third pick. Well, that's um, interesting. For who? Who do you for a player or for a a, well, right, a bunch a player, of picks? Yeah, for for a player. No, I think they're they're uh, they are look gonna look for a a solid veteran. Um, but I, I don't if they, if they lose the pick, obviously it'll be it'll be bad for the team. But I don't think that 
it'll it'll make them have you know drastic like they, they I don't think they'll do anything specifically drastic now I, I that's not to say that they couldn't trade some of their young players of course they could you know uh Lernes Jr Julius Randle somebody you know one of those two could possibly be moved out uh Jordan Clarkson could possibly be moved uh they'll have plenty of options uh it'll just depend on who's available in the trade market and uh what people feel their values are true and I think they could get a decent return for Jordan Clarkson. I think that kid's a, a yeah. I think he's good. I think he's you know what was he was he a second round pick or just yeah, a late first? Yeah, he was he a second was, round pick. Was, yeah, yeah, second round pick. He's and he's very outperformed his pick status. You know, right? Absolutely. And I think any team who needs a good point guard, there you go. They could get something for him. They could get some sort of. I don't know if they would get a player in return that would actually help them, but they could get another pick, I guess. Um, right. And and I think in that case, I think the, the at at this stage, truth tr- truthfully speaking, I think that the Lakers are uh, going to prioritize getting players. Yeah, I mean, they're still a few years away. Even if even if they land a number one pick, they're still a few years away. Um, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's talk about a few of the other teams real quick. Just like just to, to wrap this up, because like we've talked about the Lakers so long. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of I course. mean. It, you know, in both of our situations, right, we're both looking forward to the season being over for, for different reasons. Like your, your, right. your team, like they started, I remember when we talked earlier in the season, they started out on fire and everyone was like, baby Lakers, baby. I was even excited uh, to watch the Lakers, They were so man. fun. They, they were so, were so fun. fun. It seems like an entire lifetime ago. And by the way, <laughs> by the way, uh, to go back to this. Yes. Uh, D'Angelo Russell got hurt after that streak. And That's it true. completely threw off the team. It completely threw off the team's rhythm. D'Angelo Russell, if you look at, what the team's offense is when he's on the court versus he's not off the court uh, versus when he's off the court, you will be, uh, I think you will be very surprised at how bad the offense drops. Yeah, no, it's true. He does have an impact on that team. It's not a matter of him. It's not a matter of him being a good player and having potential. And I still think he can be a really good player. It's just him. I just hate him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, I don't hate him personally. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I've never met the guy, you know, but as a basketball player, oh God. Uh, anyway, listen, <laughs> moving on. Uh, I feel bad for the, I wanted to say that I feel bad for the Nets. Um, you know, as much as much as the Lakers really need to keep their pick this year, like the the polar opposite is the Nets. They have they have no incentive to lose because that pick goes to Boston. And in spite of that, they 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 have a horrible roster. And I really like what they're doing. They're in a position where they're forced to build, if you want to call it the right way, the quote unquote right way. They have to look for young talent, put them on short contracts, and you know scour the league, get pick up guys who are injured. Um, and do what they can. And I, I really like that method of building. And at some point you consolidated enough good players that maybe you can trade for a great player. And, and at some point, you know, they'll have their draft picks back. I feel terrible for the Brooklyn Nets, except that they did this to themselves. Everyone right. except for them saw this coming. Like everyone saw this coming. So I kind of feel like it's, you know, sour grapes. Like this is what you deserve. But I can't, I can't stop feeling bad for them because they're they're really trying. Like when they they picked up, uh, oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this again with blanking on names. A couple, uh, of Jeremy Lin. What's that? Jeremy Lin. Yeah, Jeremy Lin. I thought he. There's another problem. He was out most of the season, and he's been good for them when he's been in. Right. Um, no, I, and and you know it's it, it's it's right to feel bad just because none of the coaches and general manager that are there right now were involved in that. Right. Right. It was all, uh, Billy King and, 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 and the previous regime. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It's obviously they're, they're develop what I think they're doing right now. Culture. They have really, I, 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 yeah, sorry. They I have was a, you. Okay. No, yeah, no, I, I think what I really like about what the Nets are doing is that they're they're building a good culture. I think their general manager, Sean Marks, is really smart. Uh, he swung for the fences. You know, he's he signed those two restricted, you know, big offers. And while the teams matched, I think it was Tyler Johnson and um, Alan Crabb, right? So yeah, the teams, yeah. their respective teams matched. But I think that's those are the kinds of moves that are, I find really, really smart. Um, I think Kenny Atkinson is, you know, uh, he seems like a really smart, very well-respected coach. So you know they had they have the they had, they're building the framework of the culture they want to develop. The Brooklyn's a really nice market, so in terms of free agency, they could you know accelerate their rebuild they based could. off they somebody really... they get rebuilt, right? Uh, based off of who they get in free agency, and yeah, it's a, it's a really unfortunate. Uh, obviously, 
wouldn't it it's really wouldn't it yeah. blow your mind though if like in two years they're better than the Knicks? I would that would be hilarious to me. Like this team, oh, yeah, this no, team no, that's it's... in such a bad position in two years could probably like put enough pieces together and be smart enough with management with with getting players, young players on good on good contracts and finding young talent that everybody else passes on in a couple of years. If they do it right, they could end up being better than the, the Knicks, and that would crack me up. Especially since they're both in New York, and like it's a destination. People want to be in New York. Brooklyn's super cool, man. Like they could get a really legitimate, you know, piece in the future. I don't know. They they have the thing is if you're in New York, you always have hope unless you're the Knicks. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, speaking of the Knicks, man, like oh, they're they're another one. They're not even they're not even trying to hide the fact. They're You know what makes me crazy about the Knicks is that Phil Jackson is destroying Porzingis' career. His this kid should be on the tip of everyone's tongue as good as he is the last two years. And they're sitting him and they're ruining they're ruining his career for the you know he has nobody around him they they they're a train wreck they keep trying to run the triangle it's like what are you what are you doing Phil Jackson what are you doing it's it's an atrocity i want to watch that team and i want to watch them get good and i feel terrible for Porzingis and you know and i understand the need to tank to get a really good pick if they can but i mean what's it going to get you really like you still have Carmelo if you until you get rid of him where are you going with this? I, I do. I do think. I think that that situation uh, will be resolved this summer. Just, just reading between the lines with some quotes. Um, I think that Carmelo will be open to a possible trade this summer. It didn't make agree. sense. It, it yeah. didn't make sense for him to accept any trade midseason. Uh, he has a luxury of the no trade, so he can basically dictate where he wants to go. So if you're going to make a change like that in your personal life and and just moving and all that, why not just wait for the summer? Uh, probably during the summer you can figure out what the landscape of the entire league is, how free agency shakes out, and then you can kind of pick and choose and say, hey, you know, for example, I want to go to the Clippers or I want to go, you know, somewhere like that. And, um, you know, that... So I, I think that once Carmelo goes, um, that'll start the process of kind of, um, you know, and Derrick Rose won't be there. Um, you, you kind of start the process of... Uh, Building around Porzingis properly. Yeah. Now Porzingis, Porzingis, uh, I I love Porzingis. He he didn't look great this year. Um, wh- whether that's a function of the the system, although I think the triangle should be pretty good for him in general. Um, yeah, but it's an antiquated system. Nobody runs oh, it. Nobody oh, can understand. Right, right. Yeah, no, 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 it's right, it's it's right, bad for sure. every player. If you the whole league is pick and roll now, why are you running a triangle? Like, right, go ahead, go right. ahead. No, I I agree. Um. And and so, you know, and we also anticipate like, you know, steady growth with young players. It, right. It's not always the, the case. Sometimes they, they have a really good rookie season, fall a little bit, but then pick it up in third year. And so with Porzingis, I understand uh, he was like, you know, the he was so much fun. He was he was like uh, last year what Joel Embiid was this year. Right. It's just right. everybody wanted to watch him just just ball out. Um, well, he wasn't quite as good as Embiid, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I I do agree with that. Embiid was special. Um, but yeah, I I think that Porzingis's development uh will will still continue. I think plenty of players have emerged from really really bad situations and done okay. Yeah, but the franchise overall, um, you know, it's it's, it's this summer is going to be a really interesting summer. If Carmelo Anthony is still on the team, I really uh, don't know how the Knicks get better. Yeah, and it. I feel bad for Knicks fans, man. Like since Dolan got here, it's just been a this 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 organization has been terribly run. They they don't know what they're doing. He doesn't. He they had like they had like one good year. It's yeah, sad. yeah, yeah. It's really sad. Um. Anyway, listen. You know what? Speaking of MB, let me get your take on this real quick. This is not on our plan of things to to talk about, but yeah, who would you give rookie of the year? Um. Yeah. I. Uh, this this might upset you. Uh, go ahead. It's it's gonna be. I would go Brogdon. I knew it. Oh, <laughs> Brogdon, Embiid, and Saric. How uh, dare you? How dare is, you? <laughs> look, man. It, it it wasn't only the amount of games he played. It was the limited minutes that he played. Right. So if you look at cumulative minutes that that he was on the court, um, you know, rookie of the year. Right. Most outstanding rookie. Joel Embiid. No question. There wasn't even anybody close. Right. Stop right uh, there. Right. <laughs> but but when we're talking rookie of the year, it's like. 
But here's, you know, when you say limited minutes, he played in limited minutes. That's more of a reason to vote for him. He played an average of, I think it was 24 minutes per game, and he pulled uh, up those numbers. No, no, no. See, see, no, he no, was no, on no. a minutes restriction, played 31 games, and he was averaging 20 and 7. Right, right. No, no, no. I look With, I, with two blocks. I, it's insane, man. I'm, I'm and a yes, huge MVP fan. All right, I know. Everyone is. And I think the, the stupid thing is, like, everyone's like, well, we can't give it to Embiid because he didn't play enough games. Like, well, okay, so what's the cutoff? And if you're talking about rookie of the year, shouldn't it be the best rookie in the year? He's by far, hands down, far and away, the best rookie. I, I, I don't know. I have a problem okay. giving it to anyone else. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. If Joel Embiid did what he did for 10 games, just 10 games in the season, would you say that's fair to give it to him still? I get it's your same argument. Criteria, right? I get your argument. Like, what's the amount of games that you need to play? Right. I understand. 10 games, yes, probably a little bit too low. And where do we draw the line? I, I totally understand. But he did play 31. <laughs> and See, you now, saw for... 31, I, 31, 31 is not impressive. I, and, and the fact that he's doing it in limited minutes... Part of the rookie year and what makes it difficult is players have to push through because they've never played a season that long. They've never played that many games. And for somebody like Malcolm Brogdon in a second rounder to have kept up, you know, his his and in fact improved by the end of the season. Uh, I think that that also is worthy of consideration. Right. It's it's a rookie player getting used to the NBA lifestyle, the NBA grind. Uh, playing more games than they ever did in you know college. So then why and, not Dar- Dario Saric? Because he's uh, he's been I a revelation comes, since. I, he's right. putting up I way think, better numbers, and I think he's having a bigger impact on a crappier team. But well, maybe no. Not. I, I think I think yeah, Brogdon actually is a very very key part to the Bucks. He stabilized that team. Matthew Dellavedova has not been good for them, so his his point guard play has actually been really really important to the Bucks. And the Bucks are in the playoffs. That's it's kind of a big deal to me because he's had big moments in big games that had playoff implications. And Saric, I I am I'm a fan of Saric, but. His efficiency is pretty low right now, and that that's understandable. I think you know efficiency is not. Uh, and if I'm looking at it from a team building perspective, I don't care that Saric's uh, you know efficiency is not great because I think that'll improve. Uh, I want him to get those reps and I want him to get those shots up. Um, so that's why I have Embiid second because I think Embiid, you know, when we look back at his rookie season, he should get that at least that much recognition um, to be in that spot. Yeah, I don't know. I disagree. I think it should be Embiid, Sarge, and then then shut the hell up. (laughs) No, and and, and look, uh, big picture, this is uh, exciting for Philly. Uh, I remain, you know, it's such a um, weird situation with Embiid because I really want him to do well. I don't want to jinx anything with him. Um, But he, you know, it's a big step from going to 31 games to... Hopefully he's at 50, 55 games, and then he can start playing, you know, 70 games. I don't think he it, should ever go above that. It would be great. I am I think myself and everyone else around Philadelphia are, like, holding their breath because right, he hasn't right, shown right. the ability to, do, to stay healthy. By the way, he puts his body out there. Like, I mean, how many times has he dove into the stands? Like, I love the way he plays. But, man, you're going to kill yourself. You know, you're going to break everything yeah. in your body. What are you doing? Right, long term, he probably has to actually uh, probably tone it down ten percent, right? Yeah, a little bit. Save that, yeah, save that kind of intensity for playoffs or something like that. He, he because part of part of being a professional player and all these games and and all these seasons, the the grind is managing your body, managing your intensity to uh, save yourself for the long haul. Yeah, for sure. And you know, speaking of playoffs, we were going to talk about playoffs, but I'm glad we didn't because there's no real matchup set. I mean, there's one matchup set, but we don't need to go into it. Everyone is going to cover it. Of course, (laughs) everyone's going to cover the race to the bottom too, but I don't know. I think it's been a worthwhile endeavor. What do you think? Absolutely. Well, with that, Damon, we should probably uh, depart. (laughs) Yes. Oh, you can. And uh, if you're listening, follow me on Twitter at Damanr, D-A-M-A-N-R. And you still write for a 16 wins ring? Uh, I'm My writing has really, I've been so busy. My writing, so uh, I, I uh, have written for 16 wins a ring and silver screen and roll for Laker stuff. So those are two websites you guys should always check out. Uh, but my writing has uh, dwindled, unfortunately. So just follow me on Twitter. I'm, I'm always on Twitter. Yeah, you're one of the best Twitter followers follows oh, I, I appreciate that <laughs> you always crack me up i'm always every time you put out a tweet i'm like man why didn't i think of that why am i not witty <laughs> i appreciate that i guess the best place i could listen to you is here huh <laughs> yes 
Yes. Subscribe, rate, review. There you go. Thanks, Davin. You're welcome on anytime, obviously. But uh, thanks for coming on to talk about the Lakers and Sixers. And we should do this again probably around lottery time, huh? Oh, my God. I'm so stressed <laughs> out. I'm honestly like... I'm trying to be calm about it, but it is, uh, it is, it, it's like this doomsday clock that's just ticking, ticking yeah. towards that. It's, it's going to be very stressful. I mean, it's you, a big day. It's a big day for Philadelphia too, right? You could end up with one and four, possibly. Yeah, that's possibly. the best draw. I'll tell you this: Ooh. it's I'm, I'm, I don't really carry the way. I mean, I do. I would love to get the Lakers pick, if nothing else, than just to say, ah, but <laughs> not to you personally. Just you know, in general. No, no, no. Look, look. The Lakers have been good for so long that. Uh, Although it, it bothers me sometimes how, how much glee people take uh, with the Lakers being in this situation. But I get it. If I, if I was in the opposite uh, situation, I would, I would also do the same. Yeah, exactly. And it's gonna, it would be great if the Sixers get it this year. If not, they'll get it next year unprotected. And no, nobody knows how good the Lakers are going to be next year. So Yeah, that's um, very true. It, it'll be fun. It, it's going to be, for me, like it's, it's going to be a little disappointing if they don't get your pick. Um, and then they like stay at like, or if they drop to five or something. Also, the other thing that makes this really great is the Kings pick swap. If the Kings jump above Philly, Philly gets it. That so, that pick swap, by the way, is like Sam Hinkie's parting gift. It's amazing. I know. He keeps giving, man. He keeps giving. It's pretty great. <laughs> he did die for our sins. I forget who came up with it, but it's so good. Anyway, my friend, uh, let's do this again soon. Thanks for coming on. Sure. And I'll, I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Joe. You got it, man. Bye bye. Well, there you go, everybody. Damon Rangula. Uh, we went a little bit long. I got to really work on this. But uh, thanks again, Damon, for coming on. Everybody follow him on Twitter at Dominar. He's a great follow. And he's a great, very knowledgeable guest. So I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.